Hello, curiosity seekers. Welcome to Dissecting Medical History. I'm Ange. I'm a travel nurse, medical history enthusiast, and your host. If you're looking for a storytelling formatted podcast with fun and fascinating topics on history and bios, then you are in the right spot. Please note this is not in any way medical advice. If you have anything that's ever discussed in any of the podcast episodes, please seek medical attention. Now, let's get this story started. Hello, I have you all to myself again today, and I have a little bio story to share with you today about a almost famous father of antiseptic technique and about maybe how it drove him crazy. So let's get this story started. Today, we're going to be talking about Ignis Samuelis. And our story is going to be starting in 1841 Vienna at the Vienna General Hospital. Now, between the years of 1760 and 1850, there was an extremely high mortality rate in Europe with women who had recently given birth. So there's a name for that. The, they, the, the name of it is called childbed fever. You've probably have heard of it before, but it's also known as pure puerile fever, pure puerile. And before we get into the story, I could tell you the nitty gritty of it. It's an infection that was introduced into the birth canal from the outside. Today, we know it can be caused by a number of different bacteria, but basically it's an infection that's introduced from the outside world. It would be present itself within days of childbirth. So the woman would give birth to a baby and then within days she would get this infection. The signs and symptoms included discomfort, soreness, high fever, abscesses, high heart rate, painful urination, and would pretty much consume tissues and organs. So pretty much it's an infection. Depending on what type of infection was introduced uh, would be what the symptoms were. So... In the case of the Vienna Hospital, a lot of the symptoms were similar because a lot of the introduction of that bacteria was the same bacteria. There was very few that recovered, and sometimes the newborns died as well. Now, antibiotics weren't around yet, obviously, and germ theory wasn't uh, a thing yet. So they didn't realize what was causing this quite they didn't know. They didn't know what they what was happening. So there was a high mortality rate. Now, what made the general hospital in Vienna so special, so different, was that it was divided into two clinics. One clinic was run by the midwives, and their mortality rate was pretty low, about 2.7. The doctor-run clinic that had more specifically a lot of male student doctors their average mortality rate was about 11.4. And this is just from childhood, childbed fever. This information did get out to the public and women were trying to avoid going to that doctor clinic like the plague um, because they didn't, obviously it was like a roulette wheel. You went to the doctor clinic, your chances of dying were a lot higher. 
So women would try to postpone their their child being born on days that that you had to be admitted to the doctor clinic until the they could get into the women's clinic, to the women the midwife clinic. So that of course isn't healthy either. And then a lot of the rich, the wealthy people, they were still giving birth at home. So more than more than anything, it was more of the lower income people that were going to these to the hospital to have their baby. So the because of that, the the clinics, the doctors, the hospital were blaming the patients because they were poor, uneducated, didn't take care of themselves as well. Um, so they were kind of blaming the patient for their own infection. So they were still, they were trying to figure it out. They thought it was cosmic forces. They thought it was something in the air. And then along came Ignis uh, in 1841. So in 1841, he joined the ranks of the Vienna General Hospital. But a little bit more about Ignis. He was born in Budapest in 1818. He was the son of a grocer went to very good Catholic schools. He studied at the University of Vienna, but then he studied law at the University of Vienna, but then he switched to medicine. Uh, He graduated in 1844, and then two years later at age 29, 29, in 1846, he became the first uh, assistant in OB at the Vienna General Hospital as a director. So he went up in the ranks pretty quickly. As a young fresh out of school kind of guy, his ideas probably were a little more forward thinking than those of those that thought something was in the air. Some of the physicians thought it was, um, well, some of the ideas of these doctors were pretty, pretty funny and unlogical. But um, at the time, I mean, like they didn't know very much. Um, They were coming up with these theories based on silly things like observation, like a a woman saw a priest and it scared her. So she scared herself into an infection. I don't know, things like that. But some of the physicians thought it was an inflammatory issue. Um, They wrote theories about the subject, like a lot. There's so much out there on their theories that it was crazy. And I could do a whole episode just on the theories, but just briefly, some theories were based um, like the woman um, having an upset system because she had hot foods or stimulating drink that could have caused her heart rate to rise. Um, Another theory was that there was an injury to the placenta during birth. Uh, Yet another theory was that it was passed on from one woman to another by caregiver. Uh, Another theory was the swelling of the fallopian tubes. But then again, I mean, where would the swelling originate from? How did that happen? Like, you can go down rabbit holes of these theories. And the other theory was overcrowding the, not the overcrowding so much as in the hospital, but as in their living situations. So Ignis came in and he was determined to find out why there was such a huge difference in mortality rates between the two clinics. I mean, obviously something was different between the two. It wasn't just the air or like the windows in the, midwife section was more fragrant or whatnot. I mean, he, he knew there had to be something logical. So he came up with some theories of his own, 
Like I said, there was one theory about the woman being scared because she saw a priest. Also, they thought maybe it was a modesty issue. Again, I don't even know. He also, he was doing autopsies on these women to also try to figure it out. He also blamed prolonged first-time births. And so he was trying to come up with charts and whatnot to figure this out. He worked really hard on the case. And someone was saying, you need a vacation. Take a vacation. Clear your mind. You're working really hard on this and whatnot. So he did. He took a vacation. And while he was gone, one of his colleagues had died. One, someone that he really looked up to. And he did, an, he did an autopsy on this guy. And he found that the symptoms of his friend were exactly that of the childbed fever. Interesting. So he realized that the doctors at the clinic were spending a lot of time with the cadavers. And then when they left the clinic, when they were needed in the clinic for a patient having birth, they tended to not only smell of cadavers, but they had what he called particles on them. So he realized that the midwives, they studied on wax mannequins and porcelain models, and they didn't come into contact with the cadavers. So ding, 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 perhaps it had something to do with these dead bodies. So in 1847, he started implementing new regime. He said before examinations of all doctors were to wash their hands in chloride of lime, which is a very caustic chemical like bleach. But it worked. The death rate dropped from 18.27 that year to 2.38, 18% to 2%, and even lower. The young doctors and the med students supported him as normally one does when the new generation comes up and they realize there's things that are working and not working in the old way. But the chief and the older doctors did not like it. And despite the graphs and the proof, the other doctors challenged him. They mocked him. They were not nice to him. They, uh, they were stating that the washing their hands was irritating their skin and they believed it was unnecessary. A lot of doctors believed that it was unnecessary, that they didn't believe in these particles or germ theory or any of that. They didn't grasp that concept, which I talked about with the typhoid Mary. Like they just can't wrap their head around it. Uh, what you can't see, you know, it's hard to, to wrap your head around. But he was very passionate about his findings and very adamant about the hand washing. He quarreled with the staff and they ended up letting him go. He he was very, uh, I'd say passionate is a good word, but he probably wasn't so tactful. Other people ended up publishing his findings and even adopting his regimen at other hospitals. But the Vienna hospital ended up stopping his regime and they went back to their old ways and the mortality, mortality rate went back up to 10%, over 10%, actually. So in 1850, poor Ignis, he tried to find work as a teacher, but that didn't work out. He went back to Budapest, and uh, in Budapest, he got the place where he, he got to a place where he could work on his theories, and he helped their hospital get to 1% mortality rate uh, for this childbed fever 
when the rate started to rise, uh, he was on the case again. He's trying to figure out what's going on. Why is it rising? There must be another reason. And it turns out that they weren't washing the sheets in between patients. So these patients were on dirty, infected sheets, and uh, the mortality rate uh, had gone back up. But he got that problem fixed, and the mortality rate went back down again. 1855, he became a professor at the University of Pest. He settled down with a wife, had five kids, and even started a private practice. The government of Hungary even were adopting the prophylactic hand washing as well. And things were really looking up. But Vienna was taunting him. They were still writing in articles about how ridiculous his hand washing routines were. And I think this was really starting to get to him. At the time, he was trying to get more people on board with his theories, his hand-washing theories. And like I said, other hospitals were adopting it and finding success, but not enough of them. And the and like Vienna was just like this, this like bully. In 1860, Ignis wrote a book called The Etiology Concept and Prophylaxis of Child bed fever. And he sent it everywhere. He was, he sent it everywhere. Uh, it was not accepted well, though. Others still stuck by their theories, their own crazy theories. Um, At a conference, they outright rejected his theories to his face. And uh, he was starting to get a little upset. He, he started to write letters and he started to accuse other doctors of being murderers. So, I can see how he would think that he like if you if you know something so strongly that this is working it's saving lives he was like he was he was this champion of these women saving their lives after giving birth and if you knew that you could save someone's life and you didn't do it are you a murderer well he thought so he felt guilty for his part in the death of the mothers that he didn't use this hand-washing technique with before he knew it. He became depressed. He became irritable. And like I said, Vienna taunting him and like the conference people, like it was starting to really get to him and he was getting very depressed and irritable. And he and eventually got tricked into taking a vacation. But his friend brought him to Vienna, which I think this is, this is the cruelest part of all, but took him to Vienna uh, and then tricked him, put him into a straitjacket and put him in the maniac ward in Vienna of all places. So he ended up, this is even more sad. He ended up with an infection to his hand that a few of the sources that I read said happened during the restraining. This was in 1865, just five years after the book was written. Um, and he died a couple weeks later from an infection at the age of 47. Now, like I said, he wasn't well recognized while he was alive. But later he was recognized uh, as being the father of a, a septic technique. Uh, the University of Budapest is named after him. Several hospitals have taken his name. And there's a medical history museum named after him that hopefully I can go visit one day. Uh, he also has a coin and a stamp um, with him, his image on it. And there is a little planet named after him. 
1938, there was a movie about him that won an Oscar for Best Short Film. And there's been actually a lot of movies in many other countries and some plays about him. Now, Joseph Lister does recognize Ignis Samuelweiss as being an important role to his own work in antiseptic technique. Ignis died like two years before uh, Lister started his experimentation in 1867. And he was working on germ theory and on that like Louis Pasteur, Pasteur had, was working on. And so he did do his research. He was coming up with these theories not out of the top of his head. I mean, he, he did not only recognize other people, but he did do his research. And, and even though germ theory wasn't still well accepted, even in America, especially in America, they're stubborn, but the, the proof was in the pudding. His theories were working. He was saving lives by using this technique. And even though it was a very messy technique, like he would use this spray um, on the instruments and spray in the room of the, the surgical theater, even though it was like making things wet, a little slippery, um, it was working. The death rate would go down, infection rate, gangrene was going down, and it was working. So I I know that Lister has a lot more credit for being the founder, but not enough credit was given to Samuel Weiss, who probably didn't go about getting his message out there in such a way that was convincing. He did have a little bit more of a temper. He'd get into fights with his colleagues. But he did have something there, and he did save a lot of women's lives. Uh, so anyway, that is the story of Ignis Samuel Weiss, and I hope you enjoyed it. Please leave me a comment on Instagram if you did, or if you have any anyone else that you'd like to hear about, I would be happy to. I love doing bios. I love learning more about the underdogs and uh, whatnot. So Thanks for being here with me, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. I'll catch you at the next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's mental vacation from your current life. If you did and are curious for more, please subscribe. Before you go, if you have anything to add to today's show or you have a topic that you think is worthy of dissection, please reach out on dissectingmedicalhistory.com or Instagram on dissectingmedicalhistory. Thank you and stay curious.